You're listening to the Hometown Crowd Podcast, part of the 910 Comedy Podcast Network. everybody uh this is mac and i hope uh, everybody's family's doing well and that you're doing the smart thing and staying home um and, you know just to kind of get our way around this but i know we're in somewhat of a sports dead zone right now um but we still wanted to get something out to you so i pitched it to tim and told him i've got this really nerdy idea uh about talking about sports things without having any kind of sports going on right now um, so I've, I've got a, a small list of things I wanted to cover and talk about, and hopefully you'll be interested in. Um, this week's discussion was with my friend Vic. Uh, she was on earlier this season. And uh, we're going to talk about a little bit about the World Football League and how it was just a horrible shit show and doomed to fail at the very beginning. And I hope you all enjoy it. Thanks. This is more of a, a bonus episode for listeners, uh, and I think I've made it pretty clear that I am a journalism and history major, so you get the best of both nerd worlds when dealing with me. And uh, one of my favorite things about football is just the history behind it, uh, including defunct leagues that no longer exist. Uh, so we're going to talk about one of those leagues today, and to help me do so, we have the woman, the myth, the legend the Victoria Brousseau, uh, who is currently struggling with cabin fever the same way we all are at this point. Hey, Vic, what's up? Well, you know, I'm glad to uh, be a part of the podcast again. It was a lot of fun the first time around, and uh, definitely a distraction uh, <laughs> to have today. Yeah, uh, so if you are listening to this, people, do the social distancing. Don't be stupid. Um, don't be like some of the assholes Vic and I have seen on Twitter who decided it was a smart idea to go party on, you know, the days leading up to St. Patrick's Day with really no care in the world about who you came into contact with. Uh, be safe, be healthy, and, uh, you know, take care of yourself. So, Victoria, although it was both before our times, um, and I don't want any old man jokes right now, um, Dang what, it, I was going to say one too. I was about to say it. <laughs> yep. What do you know about the World Football League? Uh, not a thing, actually. I am never heard of it, honestly. Okay. Well, I don't know if you know much about the history of football, but the NFL really didn't get its legs under it until the 1960s. Uh, there were a lot of competitors uh, in the 40s, you had 40s and 50s, you had the All-American Football Conference, which, strangely enough, the Cleveland Browns owned that entire league. Um, and then they came over to the NFL and proceeded to own it for a few more years until they just fell off the fucking map. But the the World Football League uh, was a creation that first started in 1974. Um, I should have been smart and like 
listed some things that also were happening in 1974, but I was just really pumped to like do this. Um, so the World Football League, and all we can really say about it is that it was doomed to fail. Uh, beginning in 1974, it played most of its and uh, it played most of its second season in 1975 before it folded. But it can be credited with one important thing, uh, and this is probably the most important. It actually raised the salaries of NFL players, uh, and they played everywhere, including having a team originally start out in Canada and Hawaii. Strangely enough, they were called the Hawaiians. They were uh, they were pretty original. Real, uh, I say, real creative there. Yeah, yeah, they were. Um, so this brainchild, uh, this this league was the brainchild of Gary L. Davidson. Uh, the dude had a thing for secondary leagues throughout the sports world in North America. He helped start the World Hockey Association, which was probably the most successful of the uh, secondary leagues uh, that actually went toe-to-toe at the NHL, and the American Basketball Association, which eventually had uh, four teams absorbed by the NBA. Uh, to make it work, he needed a huge inflush of cash. So he asked a few of his WHA pals, and they said, sure, why the fuck not? This group would be known as the Founding Fathers. Uh, they were Robert Schmertz, the man who owned the Hartford Whalers and the Boston Celtics. Howard Baldwin, who was the washed-out hockey prospect who would eventually uh, end up owning the Pittsburgh Penguins. Uh, he owned the Boston Bulls WFL World League franchise. Ben Hatskin, the owner of the Winnipeg Jets. And another WHA buddy, R. Steve Arnold. And now while these men were important, they also had one more member by the name of John Bassett, a former Canadian tennis prodigy. Bassett had a deep and abiding love of sports. He owned, personally, the Toronto Toros of the World Hockey Association, and his family owned the Canadian Football League's Toronto Argonauts. Now, for our purposes, talking about the World Football League, Bassett would end up owning what would start out as the Toronto Northmen, but would eventually move the team south to Memphis, and guess what their names, uh, the name of the team was, Vic? Tell me. The Southmen. Seriously? Yeah. They had a grizzly on their helmet, and the people of Memphis that actually went to the games hated the team name so much, they just started calling them the Grizzlies. Yeah, this this league, fucking awful, okay, as far as team names go. All right, now, in a bit of foreshadowing, uh, John Bassett will also go on to own a few more teams that I plan on talking about uh, later on. All right, so now that we got the background knocked out, Let's talk about the World Football League. All right. The, now, the, this, the entire group was trying to push for a, a 1975 debut. But the Canadian Football League and the National Football League both had labor troubles with their players. So the players were like, fuck it. We want to get paid more. We're going on strike. So the league fathers of the World Football League said, to hell with it. We'll start 1974 because if they don't want to play for those two leagues, they can come play for us. Smart business play, I think, but uh, ultimately it uh, came, you know, it ended up biting him in the ass. Um, now, in 1969, uh, just you know, four, uh, five years before this league started, the average NFL salary was $25,000 a season, uh, which not bad money in 1969, but uh, it hadn't increased much uh, in the years leading up to 1974, and it was the lowest salary, believe it or not, of all four big sports leagues in North America at the time. Oh. Yeah, I had to dig deep for that one. Newsweek actually had a year-by-year breakdown of the you know average uh, sports salaries throughout the entire 20th century. So. Oh, good on them. Yeah, yeah, uh, and I'm a nerd that they keep shit like that for, so I appreciate that. <laughs> now, John Bassett, uh, who had family money 
reached into the pocketbook to sign a like three uh, established NFL stars, uh, stars, Larry Sanka, Jim Kick, and Paul Warfield, all left to join Bassett's team and can pay them a combined $3.5 million per season. Jeez. Yes. So you're going from twenty five grand to $1.2 million a year. Uh, yeah, you're going to fucking leave, uh, leave the NFL, you know? Um, and I know these these names won't mean much to you, Vic, but Kenny Stabler, Daryl LaMonica, Calvin Hill, Craig Morton, John Gilliam, and Ted Quaylick, uh were all big NFL names that said, fuck it, we're going to take the money and, uh, you know, head to the World Football League. That assembled talent was thrown together in 1974 to start a mind-blowing 20-game regular season, uh, where at the time the NFL was only playing 14 games. Uh, it began on July 10th and then on November 13th. 20 games in 19 weeks. Uh, four teams would make the playoffs, and the World Bowl, uh, which is what they called their championship game, uh, took the pl- took place a day after Thanksgiving. Now, this is what I found really fucked up. Uh, football's a rough sport. I think you and I could both agree on that. Yeah. Labor Day weekend. They played one game, got a 30-minute break, and then played another. <laughs> oh, no. no. Mm-mm. Mm-hmm. And that is how they crammed 20 games into 19 weeks. Um, they weren't trying to fuck around. You know what? Now I'm less surprised that they uh, only had one, one season. Yeah. We after that, we're like, yeah, yeah, I'm not doing this again. Yeah. All right. So are you ready for some of these teams? Let's hear it. Okay. 1974, the league was divided up into three divisions. Uh, the teams that would start that magical 1974 season were the Florida Blazers, based out of Orlando, the New York Stars, who would then move to Charlotte and play one game as the Charlotte Stars before becoming the Charlotte Hornets, the Philadelphia Bell, and the Jacksonville Sharks, who would fold after 14 games. That was your Eastern Division. The Memphis Southmen, who started out as the Toronto Northmen. Uh, and a fun fact I found out. Do you want to know why they moved from Canada to Memphis, Tennessee? It's warmer. Well, do you know who Justin Trudeau is? I do. Yes, the Canadian prime minister. Yeah. His dad, Pierre, was also prime minister in 1974. And he loved Canadian football league so much. He was like, no fucking way are we going to let an American team come up here. Uh, and tried to pass what they called the Canadian Football Act which never got signed into the law, but said it would be a violation of Canadian law if American football was played in Canada. Seriously? Yes. So Justin Trudeau's dad fucking did that. The, the level of petty in him. Uh, I, I don't think you could really quantify that. Um, I'm really impressed. Yeah. Yeah. He was just looking out for, you know, Canada, I guess. Um, I mean, like, you got to say, too, like, they kind of said, like, oh, they – clearly thought we were much better at them and they didn't want that competition oh yeah i mean well canadian football is a little different you only have three downs uh you have 15 yards for a first down it's played on a 140 yard field i believe it's, it's a little different um so they said fuck it we're gonna leave toronto head to memphis uh we had the birmingham americans the chicago fire and the detroit wheels who uh, also folded after 14 games that was a central division. And in the West, we had the Southern California Sun, the, the Honolulu Hawaiians, the Portland Storm, and the Houston Texans, who in season would move to Shreveport, and I kid you not, would change their name to the Steamer. 
Yes. The Shreveport steamer. Sure. If that's yeah. what you want to call yourselves. Yeah, I... Of all the things that you're going to call yourself, the steamer, uh, nowadays that has a whole other connotation uh, that's really fucking gross that we're not really going to talk about right now. But I digress. Yeah, let's uh, just go ahead and skip right over yeah. to that one. So I did uh, – I dropped on – I fell on the grenade for all you guys. Um, I watched some clips that were on YouTube. Uh, this football was shit. It was really <laughs> bad. Um, Bassett's team was probably the most talented of the group because of, uh, you know, the money he spent. All right. And, uh, I, we saw with the, uh, Alliance of American football that if you don't, if you rush players together without a lot of practice, it's going to be bad football. And it was, um, and the uniforms, they were bad. Uh, oh my God. Uh, and the, um, show link on our Facebook page. I'm going to go ahead and post some pictures up so you could all deal with the eyesores that I dealt with. Uh, <laughs> there were some pinks, some very vibrant greens and yellows. Um, the Hornets were a lovely shade of uh, gold and brown. Uh, it was just uh, it was an all-around just shit show. Um, and what's kind of weird is that they decided that they would experiment with color-coded pants that you wore, uh, each color was broken up by position. So wide receivers would wear like a red, running backs would wear yellow pants. Um, that way you can uh, you can watch your favorite players on the field, but uh, it made the uniforms look even worse. So they stopped yeah, that little was experiment. The, what was the idea behind that one? Like, we well, want to have color-coded pants? Yeah, they, it, it was just something to differentiate them from the NFL. And they thought it was a great idea. And after reading about some of these guys that started the league, uh, they were not what you would call fucking brain surgeons. These were, these were just some fuckers with money. <laughs> All right. So, yeah, that makes more sense. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, while the product on the field wasn't the best, the WFL was having some success at the gates. Teams were averaging around 43,000 fans per contest in the first few weeks. Now, that's not a bad number. Uh, the XFL was averaging around 18,000 fans per game uh, before the unfortunate shutdown. Um, but do you want to know why those numbers were pretty high? Tell me. It, it would come out that those attendance numbers were bullshit because the Philadelphia Bell had 120,000 people show up for the first two games, but they gave away 100,000 tickets for free. <laughs> what? <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, they were like, you know what? We have a TV deal. We have radio. Uh, we want to show asses in seats. And uh, wait a minute. Let's just give away all these tickets. So they literally gave away five-sixths of the tickets, uh, you know, of people who attended the first two games. Just for free. Oh, yeah. 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 Um, and the thing is, they weren't the only team that did that. A lot hey, of teams. If the Philadelphia Eagles end up ever listening to this, feel free to do it again. <laughs> let, let me guess. Uh, the tickets are cheap at uh, Lincoln Financial. Oh yeah, no, so cheap, a hundred percent. Very affordable on a college school budget. Oh yeah, uh, very affordable with a two adults with decent-paying jobs. 
just don't if you want to go to an NFL game these days, just don't pay your mortgage for the month and you'll be able to go. <laughs> but really, don't do that. I want you to have a roof over your head. All right. Now, that should tell you all you need to know about the financial state of the league. By week six, uh, like I said, Houston moved to Shreveport. The next week, New York moved to Charlotte. Uh, after 14 games, both Detroit and Jacksonville folded, which was a problem because Jacksonville was supposed to host the World Bowl. If there is no team from that city actively in the league, the stadium is under no obligation to carry any other games. Right. So, so they had to scramble short term to find a place to play the World Bowl. The Chicago franchise was so broke, they didn't even get to play their last game. And they just said, fuck it, we forfeit. Like, they, these motherfuckers weren't getting paid. Um, now, the big three, uh, Larry Sanka, uh, Paul Warfield, and Kick, who signed with Bassett's team, they didn't even sign a contract with the team. They signed a personal services contract with the owner. So even if the team went under, they were still getting paid their $1.2 million for that year. So uh, that was a fucking stroke of genius by them and their agents. Now, to be blunt, these teams couldn't pay their bills or meet payroll. The Blazers, who would go on to win the Eastern Division, went three months without getting paid. The local Mickey D's donated meal vouchers to them so they could eat because that's what professional athletes need is McDonald's three meals a day. Oh, I can't see. <laughs> Well, when you get down to it, occasionally, sure, knock yourself out. But it's three meals a day that this McDonald's was just giving them for an entire football team because they weren't getting paid. Uh, yeah. The Charlotte, yeah, here, this is my favorite one. The Charlotte Hornets had their uniforms repossessed because they couldn't play the, pay the cleaning bills. Uh, the league was hemorrhaging money, losing up each team losing almost $4 million after that first season. Now, I had to dig a little bit for this, but I think you'll appreciate it. Um, what might sum up the dysfunction of the WFL in 1974 was when John Matuzak, who was a defensive end for the Houston Oilers of the NFL, left that organization to join the Houston Texans of the WFL. And in week seven of the WFL season, Matuzak sacked Tom Sherman of the New York Stars uh, and then was immediately pulled from the game because the local sheriff's department and district attorney had to serve him with a restraining order on the field. <laughs> because a district court judge Hannon enforced this restraining order because he was still legally under contract with the Oilers. Okay. <gasps> So literally, the, the the best pass rusher this league had was set was told by a court, no, you are under contract in the other league, and they had to pull him from the fucking game. Like like in the middle of the game. Yeah, Just, yeah. He, oh, that's hilarious. I'm yeah. Sorry. <laughs> he literally sacked. He, he sacked a, a quarterback, and then was pulled from the game, and then told, hey, go get that shit off. You're going, you know, six blocks the other way to go back to the NFL. Oh, my gosh. Yes. So all this is happening in 1974. And our boy Davidson, you know, the man who who birthed this beautiful shit show child into the world, uh, <laughs> he was the commissioner during this entire shit show. And the other owners forced him to resign in October of 1974. The owner of the Hawaiians took over, but it didn't get any better. The uh, Stars slash Hornets 
uh, who were so broke they couldn't get their uniforms back until someone donated money so they could pay their cleaning bills. They finished second in the Eastern Conference, and they were supposed to host a playoff game. They only sold 1,000 tickets, so the league had to say, well, you can't host a game. We're just going to give it to Philadelphia. And that's what they did. <laughs> Nobody wanted to watch this team in Charlotte. Now, the World Bowl, as we found out, was supposed to be in Jacksonville, and they had to find a home for it. So it ended up in Legion Field in Birmingham, Alabama. And on December 5th, 1974, in front of an announced crowd of 32,376 fans, uh, you know, they, they, it projected a, a pretty nice turnout for this game for the TV cameras. But even this win for the league was an illusion, okay? Uh, the Birmingham Americans, who were one of the teams in the World Bowl, the owner owned $237,000 in back federal taxes. So the IRS said, you cannot play that game. But after a little negotiation, the IRS said, fuck it. You guys can play the game, but we want a cut of the gate receipts. So for every ticket sold, we're getting our money. Um, so the game did go forward. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> this is just one, like, one, it's like, I don't even want to call it a tragedy because it's so funny, but it's just like one awful mistake after awful mistake. Oh, yeah. And the kicker where these guys were like lawyers and people who went to like Wharton Business School. Wait. Um, oh, yeah. The ownership. Yeah. The, t- the team of owners. It was a shit show. Uh, it just these were supposed to be smart people that just didn't seem to know how to do anything correctly. Wow. Yeah. So George Mira, who would win the game's MVP award and the $10,000 bonus, uh, which is another funny story because – the league came down and said, hey, if you guys become – if you guys win the MVP award, we're going to give you a $10,000 bonus. And the players were like, bro, you can't even fucking pay us. So if we see a check, we know it's fake. So they took out a loan and took it out in cash and just stacked it up in the middle of the field so the players knew it was real. Are you serious? Oh, you know what? I was going to say, are you serious? <laughs> like At this point, I'm like not surprised. But like, Yeah, it's it's bad. Uh, but the Birmingham Americans would beat the Florida Blazers 22 to 21. A week later, everything in the Birmingham team offices was repossessed. <laughs> For the 1974 season, only the Southmen, the Philadelphia Bell, and the Honolulu Hawaiians were able to meet payroll every week. This league had no shot for a second season. No. <laughs> I'm a or, lot less surprised now. Yeah. Or did it? Because remember the turnover in the commissioner's seat, the one that saw the owner of the Hawaiians, a guy named Chris Hemeter, uh, was given, you know, given the privilege of running the league. Um, it was an actual good idea. Hemeter instituted a rule where players and coaches were paid based on percentages of revenues generated and made sure that teams were funded uh, so that they had liquid cash to back them, uh, which is something that did not happen in 1974. So when the 1975 season be- was beginning, it was like a whole new league. Uh, and Sports Illustrated even wrote an article saying this is a whole new league. It might be still known as the World Football League, but this is a whole new business model. So 1975 uh, saw the season start with 11 teams split between only two divisions this time, the Eastern and the Western. Now, a lot of the 1974 cities that lost teams, you know, like, say, the Birmingham Americans, you know – 
the the only WFL champs ever crowned. Uh, you know, they went defunct, but the WFL just put new teams there. So in the East, you had the Birmingham Balkans, the Memphis Southmen, the Charlotte Hornets, the Jacksonville Express, and the Philadelphia Bell. And in the Western, you had the Southern California Sun, the San Antonio Wings, um, who re- actually replaced the Florida Blazers because the Florida Blazers went bankrupt as well. <laughs> um, the Shreveport Steamer, the Steamer managed to stick around, and the New Portland Thunder and a new Chicago franchise called the Winds, W-I-N-D-S, the Winds. Oh yeah, these teams are bad. These team names are fucking to, like, awful. I can't even like make a joke about it because like the name is already a joke. Like yeah. it's just awful. Yeah, I like, guess it was like the seventies, but still. I mean, you know your league is fucked when you have a team just called the Steamer. Yeah, right. it's not great. So for seventy-five, they cut the schedule from twenty to eighteen games, and instead of playing during the week, they were playing on the weekends. And this did not help anything because after week four. Our beloved Chicago wins folded. Attendance dropped through the floor. The league averaged 21,000 or so fans in 1974, but had dropped to just over 13,000 in 1975. In week 13, the league folded after determining that they would need $40 million over two years just to turn a profit. Oh, my goodness. Yes. So they made it 14 weeks into the second season um, and and just – uh, shit the bed. Now, even after the league went under, the teams in Birmingham and Memphis tried like hell to get in the NFL, and uh, we remember Memphis's owner, John Bassett, even tried to sue the NFL in order to gain entry. Uh, he would also go on to own a team in another league that sued the NFL. Now, <laughs> the, the ridiculous flame out, which I think anybody that listens to this little blurb about this shitty little league uh, I think we can all agree on that this was just uh, – this was a circus, and they should have just put a fucking tent on it um, you know, to try and contain all the stupid. Uh, but, I mean, what, what it, there's still some memorable stuff about the league. Uh, the uniforms. Uh, like I said, I'm going to put some pictures of it on the uh, podcast Facebook page, um, and I invite you to take a look because they were, they were bad. Um, but more importantly – the WFL did some things that the NFL eventually ended up adopting. They started kicking off from the 30-yard line. They used one foot inbounds for a catch. Uh, that's something the NFL still hasn't done. I don't know why they don't do it, but what the hell do I know? Um, they, out- <laughs> they outlawed bump and run coverage outside of three yards downfield, something the NFL would jump on in 1978, but they utilized the five-yard zone. And the WFL, believe it or not, were actually the first football league that put the goalpost in the back of the end zone. The NFL didn't do that until the WFL started playing. Uh, Before, it was literally in the center of the fucking goal line uh, because, you know, fuck the players. Now, they also, probably more for for us, uh, we have football every day of the week now almost, whether it's college or pro. During football season, we could watch – almost a game every day. Uh, That is something that the WFL did. They had games played on Wednesday and Thursday and Sunday, Um, something that the NFL really wasn't interested in until uh, the the early 2000s. Now, what is most memorable for me, um, 
you know the chain gain, Vic, how they measure out first downs? Yeah. You know, two big orange things connected by a 10-yard chain. Well, the WFL used a contraption called the dicker rod. What? Yes. Uh, it literally laid on the ground. It was operated by one man. Um, and it just had a pole that would stand up, and then you put it down, and then it just flopped it over all the way, like just end over end. Um, there's an actual video of it on YouTube. I found one. Uh, you can literally just type in dicker rod. And it will come up, and you can just see how ridiculous the entire contraption was. Um, I feel like you got to be careful, though, if you start typing that in, you know, make sure you're typing in the right way. Yes. I don't want to send the listeners down some rabbit hole. If you are confused, it is the, D-I-C-K-E-R-O-D, the dicker rod. Um, And just to be safe, put WFL after you type that in, um, and you will... You're going to see the dicker rod in action and uh, most certainly um, see the horrible football that the WFL was. Now, my good friend, <laughs> do you have anything to say about this this beautiful disaster that was the World Football League? Honestly, I'm just sad that I wasn't alive to see it happen. I know, and you were right in the heart of one of the franchises. Yes. Yeah, the bell. You the bell. Like- how do you think it would play off if we did if they did that again? Like if that happened today? Well, I mean, this, this is this is what I love. I, I mean, I love spring football. Uh, you know, I was really excited for the Alliance of American Football uh, last year. Uh, it only made it eight weeks. The XFL looked like it was doing pretty well before they had to shut everything down. There, there's a market for football. Now, I don't know how much of a market there is for a league that started playing in July and bled over into the NFL schedule because they didn't finish up till November. Um, I mean, Philly supported the USFL team that started playing in 1983 really well, um, but the owner that they had didn't know how to pay those guys either, and they ended up moving <laughs> to Baltimore. <laughs> um, but... The USFL is another, uh, that's another little, um, uh, I guess, mini bonus episode I'm going to put together. But I mean, I think if you can put a product out there and you can market it now, you can make it work. Um, maybe not with the uniforms they had back in the 70s, but now, fuck yeah. Yeah, no, since you talk about those things, they, they've got to be just atrocious. Oh, oh no! What I'll do is I'll send you the links directly. Um, you're gonna see some some vibrant pinks and reds uh, on the same uniform. Uh, like I said, with the Hornets, it was like a shit brown and yellow. Um, the, the entire thing, uh, like you said, it was the 70s. It was like um, you know the team owners did a, a couple bumps of cocaine, got really drunk, and then called in the uniform designers and were like, "Yeah, man, let's do this!" Woo! You know, I I see a yellow and a brown together, uh, sir. What? Yeah, man, it's gonna be it's gonna look great. No, it's gonna look it's gonna look awful. But you know, when somebody else is supposedly paying, you know, someone to design these uniforms, you know, you're probably gonna get a lot of shit. So, um, but yeah, I mean, I uh, <laughs> that was part of the fun uh, looking up information for this was just uh, just seeing small clips, um. Of gameplay and then i got curious um you know where was the the championship trophy that was awarded um to birmingham where did that end up please tell me it's please tell me it's like big and awful 
Uh, oh, it was it was not a good looking trophy. Uh, not not by any stretch of the imagination. Um, but the thing is, nobody knows where the trophy is. What? No. They lost. Them? Well, remember a week after the game, the Birmingham Americans who won had all their shit repossessed. Oh, that's right. Yeah. So, I mean. <laughs> Who fucking knows, man? <laughs> but that would be like something cool to like. I mean, if I ever had the money, I would be like paid to do the, like the the deep dive to find this thing, and I would buy it. Yeah, you know? no, a hundred percent. Yeah, you know, and and I would like put it on the mantle at home, be like, check it out, and they just people just be like, what the fuck is that? And that's my WFL championship trophy awarded at the the only World Bowl to be played. Um, <laughs> Do you need a trophy to show that you're that much of a nerd? No, not really. Um, my entire existence does that pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> Smart ass. All right, guys. So these, these little bonus episodes are going to be short, sweet, and to the point. Um, I'm going to have a guest sometimes. I'll do them solo sometimes. Um, so this is what we're going to do. I'm going to offer you up the opportunity to maybe pick a topic i've got a list i really want to go into um but if you uh have better ideas or some ideas just let me know and uh i'll see how much information is on it and then i'll uh i'll get it knocked out you know i'll i'll, I'll do that for uh, a topic um i just want to make sure that we actually have something interesting and, and fun that we can listen to uh while we're in this you know, uh, sports hellscape that we're in right now. Um, you know, considering that, you know, we have to make sure everybody's safe and not cramming 70,000 plus bodies into small spaces. Uh, so if you like what you hear, hit us up on, uh, hit us up at hometown crowd on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Uh, all right. And we're on at our uh, Facebook page. You can find us at facebook.com backslash groups backslash hometown crowd pod. Uh, you could also hit us up at hometowncrowdpod at gmail.com. Victoria, any parting words from the city of brotherly love? Um, please stop going outside. Like I get like so I drive for like like food delivery companies and stuff. And like that's fine, but like, A, y'all don't need that much toilet paper. Okay. Calm down. Uh, B, like, can y'all just wash your hands? I went to Wegman's the other day, so I like my job was like I go and buy groceries for people and then deliver them to their place there was no toilet paper no water but there was plenty of hand soap y'all have your priorities confused that's yep. one mm-hmm. um and just relax stay home I, I, you know maybe you're going a little crazy that's fine now's a great time to watch literally everything on netflix or better learn yet, a new, learn a new skill. Learn how to play the guitar. I don't know. Figure yeah, something out. Stay yeah, home. Yeah, get, get Rosetta Stone and crack a fucking book. Okay, do something productive <laughs> while we're, um, you know, and let's let's make better choices in our elected yeah. officials. But that's about as political as I'm going to get on a sports podcast. All right, everybody. So thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed. Uh, Victoria, probably going to have you come on for another one um, because I have one earmarked about one baseball team that was actually around in your lifetime. So I think that'll help. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, but it Getting was a total, closer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was a total shit show too, though. Um, and I think you and I both appreciate these train wrecks. Um, My favorite thing to hear. 
Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's it's just it's going to be the most fun. All right, guys. So uh, for Vic and myself, I hope you have a good night. Stay safe. Stay healthy. And later. Later.